0: This is In Conversation from Apple News Today. I'm Shamita Basu. Today, we're bringing you a special episode of our show. About a month ago, I interviewed Josh Dean. He's a journalist and the host of the Apple TV Plus podcast, Hooked. The podcast is about Tony Hathaway a guy who went from working as a design engineer at the aerospace company Boeing to robbing 30 banks in a single year after becoming addicted to opioids. His son Connor is a big part of the story. He also got addicted to opioids around the same time as Tony, and they remained close as they struggled through their addictions and recoveries. When I first spoke with Josh Dean, the podcast Hooked was just getting started. Now, nine episodes later, the season is all out there. So I caught up with Josh and Tony together to reflect on the series as it comes to an end. Well, Josh, I was hoping maybe you could do some reflecting for us. I mean, you've mentioned that this has been a very long project for you. You and Tony have been talking to each other for about three years now. How does it feel for you now to have this final installment of the story out there?
1: Well, I'm, you know, really proud of what we've done and so thankful to, especially to Tony and his family. You know, I said on the show that I think I haven't really ever spent this much time on a project. I've certainly never talked to the source of a story this many times for this long, but also just, it was a really unique experience for me. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and Tony really opened up his life to me in a way that, you know, I don't think anyone ever has. And I I think that's something that, You know, to him, it just seems normal now that we have these conversations, but it really is an abnormal thing that we did. And I think hopefully the result of it is that people got to see a real story of what happens when a life unravels, you know, in a way that you don't ever predict and that you have no control over and that maybe somebody you know is totally fine one day and the next day something happens that completely alters the course of their lives. So I feel like I feel lucky. I'm super thankful to him for having trusted me to tell
0: it. And Tony, what was it like for you to have all these conversations with Josh about this particular time in your life and how it all unfolded over the course of years?
2: I mean, it's been a great experience. You know, when I look back on my time when I was incarcerated You know, I had so many people reaching out to me, sending me letters and emails from different, you know, magazines or media outlets wanting to do interviews and whatnot. And I met Josh through, I think it was initially some emails. And, you know, I was really looking for somebody that, you know, one that I know has the experience in the industry, but really more importantly, somebody that was willing to let me tell my story and really put the emphasis on the opioid epidemic and Purdue Pharma and, you know, how many people have been harmed by um, Oxycontin and not really to be focusing on the bank robberies, which is what most people were interested in talking about.
0: Why do you think that happens? Why do you think that in so many cases when people would learn about your story, they were attracted to the bank robbery aspect and weren't digging as deep or weren't asking the questions that Josh was asking about addiction?
2: Well, I think, I mean, bank robberies just has that buzz to it. You know, people get excited when they hear about it. And it's, I think it's something that people are are really attracted to. Maybe not so much if you're just strictly talking about opioid addiction, but hopefully they take the time to listen to the whole story and really understand the addiction aspect of it.
0: Josh, it sort of seems like the first few episodes of the podcast seem like they're going to be about Tony, but it really does evolve into a story largely centered around the relationship between father and son, between Tony and Connor. When did you realize that the story was turning out that way?
1: You know, when I wrote the initial magazine story that inspired this podcast, there's very little mention of Tony's son, Connor. I mean, it's in there a little bit, but he was sort of a fleeting mention or a guest character. But in the period of talking to Tony after that, it became clear how much of this story really was about the two of them. And this incredibly close, unique relationship between a father and son who ended up addicted together and going into this sort of dark descent spiral, whatever you want to call it, from living together in an apartment to living in a car addicted to heroin. And I've never heard a father and son story like this. I found it really touching and tragic and... It was so clear to me that Connor had to be a big part of this. And again, I you know, I'm thankful to Connor for trusting me to tell his story too, right? He easily could have said no. I think I said on the show, it's not easy. Tony never refused to answer a question, has never hidden from the darkest, worst parts of the story, including things that make him look bad. And people who listened to episode eight, like Connor admits to some very difficult things that he did and some very dark times for him.
2: I was committing rhymes. I had like 10000 bucks. I had my own car, I was selling heroin, I had guns, I was selling guns.
1: And that is really not easy to do. But I think because he did it and because we've now heard the two of them describe their experiences together, it, it added a depth to the story and a real human interest element that I think, you know, you can't help but root for these people. You can't help to want things to turn out well for both Tony and Connor. And I think we're happy to report that things are going really well right now.
0: Tony, for you, what's, what's remarkable to hear about over the course of Hooked is, you know, you and your son really have someone in each other who understands what the other's going through, right? And one moment that really stood out to me is in one episode in particular, when you two are living together, we can hear Connor talking about how he doesn't want to leave you and go live with his mom, even though he could. He didn't want to leave you on your own. She
1: told
2: me I can come stay with her. I'm like, yeah, no, can't do that. (laughs) What? A, I wouldn't be able to get my dope, and B, you know, it's my dad. We're kind of in this together, you know, so there was that.
0: And you also didn't want him to be on his own.
2: At some point, one of us was going to overdose, you know, and I mean, that's kind of part of the reason we stuck together, because at any given time, he could have gone to live with his mom, but he didn't want to leave me alone. And I didn't want him to be alone.
0: (laughs) It struck me that, you know, here we're hearing father and son both talking about how they feel a sort of responsibility for the other one. I'm curious if that was something that the two of you expressed to each other at the time. Or was it only for the podcast? Was it only when you were speaking with Josh and his team that you started to think of it that way?
2: I mean, between my son and I, it's not something that really has to be discussed. Because we know it, right? We've been there. We lived through it together. We understand the fear of um, having someone that you love and watching somebody. Sorry.
0: That's okay. Take your time.
2: (sighs) Just to watch somebody that you love go through that you know, I mean it it was tough on Amory, his mom, I know, but she didn't have the insight that we had, you know, the bond that we had and the insight into our addiction that Connor and I had. So to watch him go through that and I mean it's impossible to not feel responsible for that, you know. And so I guess I mean at that point when we knew we, we just wanted to be together. I mean, we were in this together and we were afraid to not be together because heroin's dangerous. You know, it's a lot of people use heroin, they use it by themselves. And that's really the, the most dangerous part of it. Because if you overdose and you're alone, you're done, right? There's no coming back from it. There's nobody there to save you. And, and that's mm-hmm. really what it all comes down to that we knew that we were in trouble. I mean, we obviously knew that we were both addicts, and we just didn't want to ever leave each other because we were scared that something bad would happen.
0: Yeah, of course. Have you both been listening to the podcast?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we listen to it every week. I mean, it's kind of funny because most of our friends think that, like, we've already heard the whole thing, you know? So right, it's, right. You know they'll ask, which is and,
0: not the case. Every week is is something new for you. Yeah,
2: we hear it when it comes out. You know, we don't really have a chance to hear it ahead of time, and I think it's a great thing that they do it that way. Um, I mean, I was a little concerned in the very beginning. You know, after going through this experience, I think it makes sense, and so yeah, for us, we listen to it on usually on Wednesday nights, and uh, yeah, it's been great.
0: I mean, what's it like for you two as father and son, as the subjects of the story? Do you debrief about it afterwards? Or what, what has it made you talk about?
2: Yeah, I mean, we definitely do. We reflect on different parts of the story. You know, there's some stuff that's—there's some funny parts. I mean, there's nothing funny about any of it, to be real, but you have to realize this isn't something that just happened last week, right? So we can look back at this— and find some humor and some of it at different points. And I I think that's a good thing, but, you know, we'll listen to a part of the podcast that really touches on some of the, you know, the, the the deep stuff. I mean, stuff that gets me emotional for sure. You know, I think it's important for us to, to have those conversations, you know, and just not ever forget where that took us, you know, what that road is that we went down. We don't ever want to visit that again. That's for sure.
0: Josh, what's it been like for you? I mean, you've talked a little bit about just how responsible you have felt for delivering this story into people's consciousness. Every week that Tony listens to it, brand new, <laughs> <laughs> what's it been like on your end?
1: Well, you know, it's sort of like how Tony in the beginning wasn't sure how he would feel about it. You know, you're always nervous. Because he's right. Like, I don't send the episodes to him ahead of time. Now, we fact-check exhaustively, so he probably has a pretty good idea of what's going to be in there because our fact-checker has been contacting him repeatedly to make sure we're getting the story right. But, you know, it's still—you you don't really know it until you hear it. So it's a nerve-wracking, well, you know, hoping that we did the story justice. You know, there's there's certainly an alternate reality version where— Tony decides to talk to me and trust me and then ends up hating the version of his story that goes out there. Not because I did something wrong, but because he's like, oh, wait, I don't sound that great. But I think we've both been surprised by how almost unanimous the reaction has been, very positive. I think Tony worried. He told me he worried that he thought people would think he was a bad person or they would judge his parenting or they would think that he failed his son or whatever. And I feel like overwhelmingly the comments and ratings have been people who feel like they're thankful to him for telling a story because this is the experience they went through, or this is what their brother or their sister or their cousin went through. I, mean, I think I mentioned this to Tony. I remember one comment. It was like someone saying like, I want my children's mother to hear this story because she was not letting him see his kids because she thought he was a bad person for being addicted to heroin. So Mm -hmm. that was always the goal here. I mean, I know, Tony, you feel the same way that you probably worried that people would judge you and you're pleased that they're getting the message, right?
2: I had actually pretty much anticipated maybe half or maybe a little less than half of the feedback would have been negative. You know, people trashing me for being a shitty dad for using drugs with my son and I kind of expected that and you know like I've said before I understand that people could have that point of view without really understanding addiction and and how it can bring somebody down but I've been amazed at the responses it seems like 90 plus percent of the comments that we've gotten and we've gotten a ton on this podcast have been positive you know people you know, have really been touched by the story or can relate to the story and are finding a lot of meaning in it. And that's really what the goal was.
0: I just want to point out, look how far we've gotten in our conversation without having talked about robbing banks. <laughs> but but it does occur to me that I do want to ask you something about robbing banks. Um, I guess for most of us, we never experience having someone else as an expert storyteller lay out our own story for us and point out different junctures where we could have made this decision or that decision. But that's exactly what happened to you, Tony, in, in Josh's storytelling. When you listen back to the moment when bank robberies was first sort of put on the table, I don't know, how does it feel to listen back to that time?
2: Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, looking back on it, it's just insane, you know, to think like, what what, what were you thinking? but. At the same time, I <laughs> I remember where I was at in my life, you know? I mean, it was—everything was terrible and going bad, and I was so sick in my addiction. And, I mean, honestly, I was at the end of my rope. I mean, I had nothing left.
0: Tony, how are you and Connor doing today?
2: We're doing great. Yeah? I mean, everything's not perfect, you know? It's, uh, you know, we both spent some time incarcerated. And, I mean, I don't really worry about him so much because he's still young and he's— out there working hard, and I know he's going to do great for himself. He's been clean off of heroin for three years now and is just making tremendous progress. Um, I mean, it's a little more challenging for me because I'm getting up there in in age. You know, I'm 52 now. This is not the best time to be looking to start a new career. So there are some challenges, you know, but we're going to overcome these things. And yeah, we're doing good. We're just, we're happy to be on a good path and living together again, catching up on a lot of years that we missed. And we have, uh, my grandson is living with us right now, which has just been amazing. So yeah, it's going good.
0: And uh, your grandson is, is named after you, right?
2: He is, yeah, little Anthony, he's, he's something else. <laughs> he's seven.
0: And he, he calls you Papa T, right? He calls me
2: Papa T. <laughs> yeah,
0: I heard that in the last episode, yeah. Um, it sounds like and Josh can probably weigh in on this. Listening to the sound of the tape of you you playing with your grandson is enormously gratifying.
2: What pillow. Oh, you're using that one? Hang on a second, let me get mine ready. Wait, I have to get mine ready too. You can't take my pillow. Well, <laughs> oh, hang on a minute.
0: What <laughs> is it like being in a house with a with a little toddler?
2: Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you prison just sucks. It's so terrible in so many ways. But when I look back on it, the one thing I missed the most was being around kids because there's no kids around there, you know, and you don't to spend six years away from being around kids, you know, they just make you so happy. My grandson is amazing. And I also have a granddaughter. She's about 10 months now. And she's amazing, too. You know, it's just it's a blessing to have these little these little kids around.
0: Oh, congratulations on being a grandfather. I can hear how much you enjoy it in your voice.
2: Yeah, I love it. (laughs) love it. I get him up for school every day, and Connor leaves for work pretty early, so I get him up. You have morning duty? Yeah, make him breakfast and walk him out to the bus, and it's been amazing. Thank you.
0: Josh, I wonder for you, you know, in planning the series out, I mean, you said it yourself earlier that you couldn't help but be rooting for Tony and Connor and Tony's whole family. I guess there's no way of knowing how the final episode will land before it sort of all comes together. And the way that it ends, it feels very hopeful. Were you prepared for an ending that maybe wasn't going to be so hopeful? How did you decide when the story could end?
1: I obviously worried, especially once the pandemic set in and Tony and And then Connor were like almost in a different kind of prison, right? Like Tony comes out of prison expecting to reenter society and then suddenly is locked up in his apartment the way we were all locked up. And so I did worry. And, and, you know, as as you hear on the show, they did struggle a little bit. And thankfully, it wasn't heroin. It was alcohol. And they were able to handle that. But it easily could have been, right? I mean, more people overdosed last year than any year in history. The pandemic made the opioid crisis worse. So yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't worry about them, but they seem to be doing great. So I am hopeful. I think they seem to be on the right path and they have the right people around them and have reasons to live and try and, I think I said at the end of the show, like, you know, write the next chapters, whatever they are. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'll be waiting to find out what happens myself.
0: Josh, Tony, before I let you both go, is there anything you'd like to say to each other after all these years of talking, now that the series is out there?
1: <laughs> well, we talk all the time, so I'm not sure we uh, there's anything left for us to say to each other.
0: <laughs> N- nothing left unsaid?
1: <laughs> not a lot, but I, I, you know, I what I said earlier holds true is like I'm super thankful to Tony and Connor and Anne Marie and everyone in, in Tony's life and I think it's hard for anyone who's not been in the journalist's chair or in the subject's chair to understand like what kind of trust that requires which made me feel like I had to take extra care with this one so I don't know Tony I, I feel like there's probably not a lot you haven't told me
2: yeah I'm not ready to say goodbye <laughs> We, we we have a lot of um, discussions ahead of us, but um, I just, I'm grateful. I mean, I, I think my family's grateful for Josh, and he's done just such an amazing job of helping us share our story. And, you know, we look back on it now and know that we picked the right guy for the job, and, and we're we're always going to be grateful
1: for that.
0: Tony, thank you for being so giving of your story, and Josh, thank you for telling it.
1: Thanks for having us on to talk about it. Thanks for having us.
0: You can find a link to the full podcast series Hooked on our show notes page, or just search for it in Apple Podcasts.